the podcast dedicated to separating myth from material evidence. I'm your mysterious host, Jack, and thank you guys so very much for tuning back in once again, unless you're new here, in which case still thank you, but also welcome. I hope all of my American listeners are staying safe in light of the general shit show that's happening, I guess. (laughs) I know I'm uploading this on Inauguration Day, so at the time of me uploading, or I guess realistically recording this, nothing has happened yet with the Inauguration, obviously, and I hope that stays that way. Fingers crossed. Equally importantly, the day I upload this is also when I get to pick up my first batch of ADHD medications because your bitch has been diagnosed with super ADHD. To the surprise of not a goddamn one of you, probably. So monitor me for a new personality in the next episode. Alright, on to the animals. I know most of you guys listen because this is not the fucking news, which is valid. I get it. I do that all the time. So, let's talk about Argonauts. The reason we're talking about them today is because one of you guys suggested that I look them up. So, I did. And now I'm doing an episode on it. Wild. It's okay if right off the bat you don't know what an Argonaut is, even though you've likely heard the word. They also go by the name Paper Nautilus, and you've probably heard the term Nautilus too, even if you still have no idea what kind of animal I'm talking about. (laughs) Honestly, we have to start with the name because it's a little bit convoluted and... I think it's interesting, and I'm the host of this podcast, so we're going to do it. The Argonaut, or the Paper Nautilus, is an open water octopus. See, that's already confusing, because nautili look kind of like upside down snails, but underwater. They have that shell and then a bunch of like tentacles and a set of eyes sticking out of the opening of the shell, whereas an octopus looks like, well, an octopus, you know? The confusion with paper nautilus and a regular nautilus species is because originally, due to their similar appearance, early researchers believed that they were directly related to each other. And they named nautili, like the chambered nautilus, after the argonaut paper nautilus, like because it looked similar, they thought they were together, you know? In truth, they are distantly related. They both belong to the class of cephalopod, which means they're also equally related to squids and cuttlefish. So octopuses look like octopuses, obviously, except for the genus Argonaut, which looks like a nautilus. <laughs> the Argonaut evolved to develop a super thin, semi-transparent egg case, which essentially looks like a ridged snail shell, or I guess more like an ammonite, and they hang out inside of it. And it's unique to the Argonaut amongst octopuses, like other octopus species don't do this. They just had to be special. But we'll touch more on that later. I want to stay stuck on their name for a second. So like I mentioned, you've probably heard the names Argonaut and Nautilus outside of their biological animal context. So here's why. The Argonauts were a group of heroes in Greek mythology who helped this dude, Jason, acquire a golden fleece made from the golden wool of a winged ram, essentially a Pegasus sheep. And when he got that golden fleece, it made him king. Because that's how monarchies work, people. Strange women lying in ponds distributing swords is no basis for a system of government. They got their name because the man who built their ship was named Argus, and he was super narcissistic, and that's okay and he named the ship Argo after himself. But he also built the thing, so like... (laughs) Then the Greek root not refers to sailors, so they are the sailors of the Argo. And the people who discovered the animals decided to name them after the same ship in the same manner. 
Honestly, it's cute and I actually like it, but as far as I'm aware, the animals Argonauts don't normally hunt golden-winged Pegasus rams. But then again, over 80% of the ocean is unexplored, so what the fuck do I know? The reason you've heard the term Nautilus, outside of being an animal, of course, is because in 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, the book by Jules Verne, Captain Nemo's submarine is named the Nautilus. And I do have to stop there before I start delving into the meaning of Nemo's name and then about finding Nemo and just, you know, a tangent and a rabbit hole, and that would ruin the podcast. <laughs> so I'm going to stop there because I could definitely go down that rabbit hole. So, actually, the Argonauts themselves do make an appearance in the book, by the way, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. They surround the Nautilus, the submarine, and they're seen using their tentacles like sails. And naturally, because the book was written in 1871, all rules about biology and anatomy are just arbitrarily made up based on whatever sounds the coolest. <laughs> Argonauts don't actually use their tentacles like sails. I'm so sorry. That would be really cool. But it's not true. Which leads me into this super streamlined segue of talking about how Argonaut anatomy actually works. You see that, guys? I'm getting better. I'm getting better. So let's go back to that egg case I briefly mentioned. What I should have mentioned earlier was that females are actually the ones that create them, only females. And it's made out of a calcium carbonate, and she makes it herself. Early researchers actually thought that the shells were just things that the Argonauts had found and then utilized. Kind of like how a hermit crab finds a shell and he's like, this is my home now. But marine biologist Jean Villepro Power, if I'm pronouncing her name right, I hope I am. I don't speak French. <laughs> she managed to successfully run an experiment that proved that they do actually create their own shells in the 19th century. Also, shout out to a bad bitch who did science before women were allowed to do science. She was also the first person to create aquaria. So if you like going to the aquarium when you're not in quarantine, of course, you can thank her for it. Honestly, please actually go read up on her. She's incredible. I could do a whole episode on her just because I love her. Like, the more I read about her, the more amazing she is. I promise you'll love it. <laughs> just, just go read up on her. So the female creates the egg case by secreting the calcite from her two dorsal tentacles, which is the cephalopod, the cephalop, the cephalopod, the cephalopod, fuck, the cephalopod version of arms, essentially. The males don't actually have those dorsal tentacles, which is why they cannot create the egg case. So what do they get instead of dorsal tentacles? A hectocotylus. I know, I know, that's not real English. I'm sorry. I will translate for you guys. A hectocotylus translates to an arm full of sperm that the male shoves inside of the female, detaches it from his body, and then runs away with the arm still attached inside of her. True story, look up that definition in the dictionary. <laughs> Speaking of dictionary, I'm going to reiterate this for, I think, the third time in the series so far. The plural of octopus is octopuses or octopodes, never octopi. Octopus is a Greek word, and the I suffix is Latin. They don't go together. Hectocotylus, however, is a Latin word, so the plural form of hectocotylus is hectocotyli. Hectocotyli are actually really common, at least in the ocean. It's actually the default for male cephalopods to have hectocotyli instead of penises, though it's not necessarily the default to rip it off and then let the female keep it. It's a more literal, more extreme version of that phrase concerning women keeping testicles in their purses. But having an arm stuck inside you isn't quite as traumatic as it would be for us. Argonauts feature extreme sexual dimorphism, and it presents in the same manner as anglerfish. Which, by the way, I explained in my episode about anglerfish. Cough, cough, go check it out. 
For example, a female Argonaut of the primary species of Argonauts, Argonauta Argo, which is such a brilliant name, <laughs> or the greater Argonaut for something more colloquial, I guess, it grows up to 100 millimeters, while the associated male only reaches 20 millimeters. All right, let's put that in human terms so that it actually has an impact, I guess. The average human woman is five foot four or 162 centimeters. If you were an Argonaut, your one night stand would be 32 centimeters tall, about the size of a ruler, jumping to reach your knees. <laughs> and yeah, it would definitely be a one night stand. He ripped his dick off. Unlike the sea slug I mentioned in the penis awards show, an Argonaut's dick arm does not grow back. Sucks, bro. <laughs> When early researchers found the hectocotyli inside the female, they thought it was a parasitic worm, which is kind of the exact same story as the anglerfish when they found the male anglerfish attached to the female. So don't ever let people tell you what the hell is normal. Nothing is normal. And if someone thinks it's weird, there's something natural that's even weirder. I promise I will find it for you and it won't be hard. <laughs> So that is it for today's episode. Thank you so, so much for checking it out. I really, really appreciate it. If you liked it, giving a five star on iTunes is a hell of a way to say it. If you really liked it, Phonication also has a Patreon page. I also still have some t-shirts left, by the way, if y'all want one. Plug over, that's it, and I love you guys. Bye. <laughs>